You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. In the year 2010, the town of Kindersley, Saskatchewan, celebrated its 100th birthday. My guest, Eleanor Smith, was an integral part of compiling the town's history for those celebrations. I'm Kevin Power, and when I began looking for guests in Kindersley, Eleanor's name came up time and time again. It took a while to synchronize our schedules, but finally I had the chance to sit down in Eleanor's living room and hear her story. Among those stories are a legendary town murder and a mysterious rock whose mystery continues to this day. I particularly enjoyed Eleanor's stories as a schoolteacher and her love of the spoken and written word. Enjoy the podcast. I'm back in Kindersley. Mm-hmm. And finally, having the opportunity to meet someone I've waited a long time to meet, <laughs> Eleanor DeConnick-Smith. Mm-hmm. Eleanor, thank you so much for finally taking some time to meet with me. The schedules have been crazy. Uh, you're spoken of very fondly in this town. Um, so it's a compliment to you. And uh, I want to get to know a bit about you. So let's start at the beginning. You were born in Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Right, right. And um, tell me about life growing up in Aberdeen. Life growing up in Aberdeen was wonderful. The whole town was our playground. Mm -hmm. So we could go to the grandstand where nobody was there and we could produce great programs and shows and everything all by ourselves, stand on the grandstand and let the wind blow through the uh, seats and whistle away, and we could sing our hearts out. <laughs> nice. You put on your own shows? We put on our own shows. Like just, m- just a group of kids. Just pretend shows or pretend musicals? Pretend shows, or? yes. Right, yeah, right. How, what would have the population of uh, Aberdeen been at the time you were growing up there? Oh, my goodness. I have no idea. Maybe five or 600 people. Right. A town where everybody knew everybody. Yes, exactly. And did you go to school there? Yes, I did. Was yeah. it the kind of town that had one schoolhouse that uh, yes. covered all the grades? Yes, a beautiful old school, and and it seemed so big, you know, those big hallways, and yes. and the stairway was so wide down to the girls' basement where the toilets were. Right. And then I went back, uh, you know, maybe 20 years ago, and it was so small yeah. and grungy and dingy and dark and <laughs> isn't it odd how our schools shrink yeah that's right <laughs> so that and we and we went to the united church and um uh as to sunday school uh, sunday school raised me church raised right, me right sang in the choir was the sunday school superintendent 
Nice. for a while and um, had a mission band so I was very involved with oh. the church mission band being a church for uh, organization for little kids oh right, right so did that kind of thing uh, I've talked a lot about teachers and I know that you taught yes um, but going back to your school years was there a particular teacher that stands out in your mind as being someone quite influential yes that would be Gene Ham. And tell me about yeah. Gene. Um, well, he was he was probably quite young when I was in grade six, um, but I thought he was old, of course. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when he when I moved into the next classroom, which probably would be what seven, eight, and nine, maybe, he moved up the same year, so he was my teacher again. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that would have been up to grade. 10, no, 9. And then when I moved up into grade 10, uh, to grade 10, 11, and 12, or would that have been 11 and 12, he was my teacher again. He, oh. he moved into this, the next classroom. He was following you. So he was following me, or I was following him. I right, don't know which. Right. Yeah. And what was it about him that, that stands out in your mind? I don't Maybe just because I knew him the best of all. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also, I was the first girl that he ever strapped. And really? I, I had carved my name in the desk. That was the My reason initial. you got the strap? That was when I got the strap. Uh-huh. And I'll never forget it. And then um, I was also the last girl he ever strapped. <laughs> and so I wonder... It was a traumatizing event for him it, as well. Yes, it was. And, and I don't know if he strapped very many other people, but, you know, that's the way order, order was kept in those days. Exactly. Yes. When you were carving your initials in the desk, did you have this little <laughs> voice in your head that said, this probably isn't going to go over very well? No, I didn't. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> it was perfectly... Well, I'll tell you why it was all right, because there were other initials in the oh, desk, right, right. you know. Why not mine? Why not? Yes. And then the last year of school was the year the war ended. Right. And and I remember organizing. We heard the news. Uh, it had happened during the morning. The news came that the war was over. This mm-hmm. is a war in Europe. And we and I went back to school. We lived in the town, the village, and it was only, you know, two or three blocks over to the school. And uh, when I went back to school, I organized all the kids, and we made a, formed a Congo line. Uh-huh. And we snaked through all the classrooms, and the teachers just stood by, and they watched us, and they smiled. Wow. So- Couldn't believe I was getting away with this. Right. Yeah. But it was a day to celebrate. Oh, it was. And they were just as happy as we were, and they certainly didn't call school. And as a child, did you did you feel the impact of of the war? Oh, yes. You, you were very aware of it. Oh, yes, we certainly were. So you knew what you were celebrating. Oh, you bet. We, right. And, you know, we learned all the war songs. There'll be bluebirds over the yes. white cliffs of Dover, those yes. old songs. And we bought... Um, uh, what do you call the stamps? Victory the, stamps or yeah, something? Uh-huh. I think we they were war-saving stamps, maybe it was what they were called. And you pasted your stamp. I think they were 25 cents each. Right. And you pasted your stamp on a sheet of paper and tried to fill your, your sheet with stamps. Right. Adults would be buying war bonds, wouldn't they? During the, Absolutely. Yeah. During, mm-hmm. during the war years and, and even before that, Mm-hmm. Um, 
Did you get a sense that times were difficult or were yes. you? Yes. Yes. You were aware? Yes. Yes. Well, I, I certainly lived through the dirty 30s too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I can remember um, where we lived, we could see the elevators. We were about maybe a block and a half from from the main street and the main street um, looked onto the railway track. And I can remember a great big black cloud coming closer and closer and Suddenly, we, the whole house was enveloped in this black cloud. And How long did that last? Oh, probably it would be over. And, you know, it would seem like a long time. Right. I don't know, maybe five minutes, ten minutes. Right. And yeah. the, 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 the soil would have been picked up somewhere miles and miles away and mm. just driven right over the village and on it went. And then the ditches would be full of dirt and we would go down the ditches and walk in this nice soft dirt in our bare feet. Mm. The only problem was there were little stingers in there uh, and the uh, Russian thistles, you see, would blow too. Right. And then you might step on a, th- a thistle and that wouldn't be so good. <laughs> right. um, do you, can you recall things that had to be rationed? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Sugar being one. Sugar was mm-hmm. rationed. Yeah. And I can remember one time um, my dad owned a garage, and um, we went we went to the garage to meet him, I guess, because it was time to come home, and he would we would walk home with him. And uh, we stopped at the grocery store, and he bought a bottle of ketchup. Uh, and I was so thrilled to think that we could have ketchup. Mm. I don't know, maybe hmm. ketchup wasn't very common or something, but right. I'll never forget that ketchup. Right. Um, it was probably a lot of home baking that happened. Oh, yes. Up. My mom was a good baker. Yeah. yeah. Because you had to rely on Yes. Your, I don't think she baked bread, though. No? No, I don't so. But you didn't grow up on a farm, but were the farmers mm-hmm. instrumental in, in in providing the food for the area? I guess so. I can remember. I can remember the apples that came, the barrel of apples that came, uh-huh. and um, you know, we, my dad went to the, to the station and, and uh, brought home about a barrel of apples. Right. They were really nice to start with, but sort of on a little later on, this barrel, they, these apples were getting rather wizened. Right. Right. <laughs> what was Christmas like growing up in Aberdeen? Oh. Um, I can remember the toys that we got. We did pretty well. Yeah. Actually, in the garage, my dad didn't do too. We seemed to do all right. Yeah. You know, we weren't. We, he was able to buy a bottle of ketchup anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. And so uh, after your graduating in, from, from school in Aberdeen, uh-huh. what happened next? Uh, well, first of all, on the eighth of May, that was uh, that was uh, VE Day, right? And uh, we had a a big community celebration in the town hall. We had quite a nice hall in Aberdeen, and um, and there was a, a component of the program for students that the children uh, took part in, I guess. And I led the the um, students. Part of the program, mm-hmm. I was thrilled. To, I was grade twelve, you know. I right. guess I would be one of the older girls. So right, had to be the oldest, and so I was able to lead that part of the program, and that was really thrilling. And I have a picture still of us. So, when did you leave Aberdeen? Um, immediately after grade twelve, I went to Teachers College. It was called Normal School then, of course. Right. It's embarrassing to say Normal School. Right, right, right. <laughs> and where did you go to Normal Saskatoon, School? In Saskatoon, In Saskatoon, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
And uh, after you finished um, your your teaching education, did you teach in Saskatoon? Uh, no, I taught in I taught in a little country school, Blucher. Uh-huh. And first of all, one room of school, and the school over here in the museum, uh, I fixed it up according to the way what I remember about school in nineteen fifty. Mm-hmm. 48 yeah 47 48 so were you taking over from the town from the previous teacher who yes uh-huh. writes day number one as a teacher at- oh it was thrilling of was course it? i was uh, i was the boss and uh, you know when you when you were the teacher in a in a little school like that yeah. uh you're the you're the whole cheese and you do as you please and you don't have to you know, ask anybody else's advice yeah. or anything. You right. just do your own thing. And then I went, and then I came here to Darcy, which is near Kindersley, mm-hmm. and um, I taught here. And I still uh, had, there was only one other teacher, the principal, and I still could pretty well do as I pleased. So then when I went into Saskatoon to teach in 1948, mm-hmm. 49, um, it was different. I had I had uh, superior people. I had a principal above me who expected me to do as he said. Right. And I got myself into trouble because I was doing. I was being independent. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. quite. A and independent change. meant going against the curriculum. Uh, no, not the curriculum. Just some decision that I made, or maybe maybe there was a discussion or something, and. And I, I don't know if I should say I overruled him. That isn't what I did, but mm. I disagreed with him, I guess. And, mm-hmm. Well, and, you had a lot of experience under your belt. By yes, then. I did. You right. see, and I thought I was—I didn't think that I was out of line. Right, right. <laughs> I wasn't. A, I, well, I forgot my place, I guess. <laughs> right. So yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't ask: during your years of teaching, did you ever give the strap? Uh, no, I did not. Mm-hmm. No, maybe it was out of fashion by that time. Uh-huh. Well, there was one in the school, but no, I certainly didn't. Right, mm-hmm. right. Can you recall during your years of teaching um, some of the students who, I mean, of course, all students are special in their own way, but yes. were, there, were there some students that just were, were, it was obvious they were destined to be very creative individuals? I know one of the girls became a nurse's aide in Saskatoon in the city hospital, come mm-hmm. to think of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and the boys were farmers. But it's amazing. In, in, and then, of course, I also taught in Etonia for a year, and I taught mm-hmm. in Smiley for six months. And those students, and then my Kindersley students, of course, they're all over the world. They're right. all over North America. Do you hear sure. from any of them ever? Um, well, I certainly see them all here. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, do I hear from them no, sometimes they come back here and I see them, and it's just so thrilling. I just love them all because they're, they they used to call me Granny, you know. There's, did you know that? No, as no. a teacher they called you Granny? Yes. The, the, um, the first year that I was here, um, I used to put my glasses like this down on my nose and say, now you listen to Granny. Yes. You know, and uh, one of the boys, Dale Wake, said, and actually there were two of them, Jeff Quinney too, this is many years ago, he said, do you mind if we call you Granny? And I sort of was taken aback because I thought it, it, it was okay for me, but what about the superintendent, you know, what would he say? 
So I, anyway, I said that was okay. So they started to call me Granny, and I taught here for 20-whatever number of years, and uh, so many kids call me Granny, and the parents call me Granny. and Still? And, oh, still. When they see oh, you. Oh, yes, wow. they surely do. Never made you feel old back then? Oh, no. Oh, well, I was 39 when it started. Right. No, 36. 36. It's not when, that old. When they stayed, started calling me Granny. Right. So it was kind of amusing then, but... And you weren't yet actually a grandmother, of course. No, no, right. no, no. You actually oh, are no, now. I am. Oh, now you, you are. Bet. Right, yeah. right. right. Yeah. So um, you taught in Kindersley that this would be the place you taught for the longest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And at what point did you meet your husband? Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcast. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Uh, in Darcy, when I taught in Darcy, mm-hmm. and that was right out from from um, the country school. I went to Darcy, which is had where there was one principal. Right, and how did you meet? And oh, <laughs> let me think. Oh yes, um, well, they it was after harvest, and um, the Deconic Smith boys and and one wife, several people anyway, um, they, sent, they sent my sister-in-law, Elner, up to get me in the teacherage. I lived in a teacherage mm-hmm. upstairs in a little house, still there. And um, she came and said, would you like to go to a dance? And I was pretty flabbergasted because I had, didn't know her, I didn't know anybody, but why not, you know? <laughs> so I got in this car, and, and it was full of people and lots of guys, and I sat on somebody's knee in the front seat. <laughs> I think there were four of us in the front and four in the back, maybe. And then we got to the dance. The dance was in Netherhill. And they've had a dance here recently in Netherhill in the same hall. And um, then, of course, during the dance, I didn't know which of the guys was married to these girls and which ones were individuals, you know. Who am I going to flirt with? Right, right. <laughs> Oh dear! I found out, and one of them was Ovi. So, and Ovi was the Ovi, man you. Ovi was the man I married. married. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And at what point did you come to to Kindersley? And then, oh, and then we didn't. We didn't. Uh, we, I lived at the, on the farm until 1980. Right. We, we moved in here into this house in 1980. So you farmed for about 30 years. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we farmed. Well, we farmed the whole time we were married. Right from. Ovi was farming when we, when we were married, and right. and then he died five years ago. And well, we were involved with the farm a little bit. The boys had pretty well taken over. Now, was that a farm that had been in his family? Mm-hmm. Well, no, we bought actually no, uh, but the f- boys all together bought our farm. 
He okay. he had um, he was able to get some help from the VLA. You know, after mm -hmm. the war was over, he'd been in the Air Force, right? And uh, so we got help from the VLA and bought the land that we we lived on, right? Uh, but the whole family farmed together. It was a working farm. Mm -hmm. So were you teaching as well as having the farm? No, I didn't teach until no, uh, no until our um, the boys were in grades two. I guess grades two and three or something like that. Did you enjoy farming? Yes, I did, but I really wasn't very involved in it because because Ovi farmed with his brothers, you know. So I I wasn't one of these gals who drove a truck and all right. that kind of thing. Right. I didn't know the farm machinery very much or anything. I didn't I didn't you know much about it. And what crops were you growing on the farm? Grain, probably? mostly wheat. Mostly wheat. Mostly wheat, uh -huh. yeah. And, and now, of course, they've diversified. They grow sure, everything. Sure, sure. And did you have animals as well? We had a, we had a, uh, yes, we had cattle. Oh, yes, the boy, all together the family had cattle. But we had, um, uh, we had, I think, maybe even two cows in our barn. Mm -hmm. And we certainly didn't have chickens, but those cows. And I, I separated milk, and we even sold milk for a while. Did you? In the village, yeah. So you knew cream right off the um, top. I did. And right. I knew that separator with the 52 discs. <laughs> right, right, right. And my, my, my family, anyway, told me, you do not put soap in your water when you're washing this separator. You just do use hot water. Right. So, of course, I knew better because um, I'm very fussy and clean and so on. I must know better than that. So I used soap in the water, and, of course, my dish cloth was slimy. And <laughs> right, right. I couldn't get the mess out of my dishcloth for weeks. Right. Yeah, and then, of course, my when my our first child, no, our second child was born, my sister came out to the farm. And, of course, she was certainly going to put soap in her water, so she did the same thing. <laughs> and you stood by and went, well, yeah. <laughs> you've got to learn no, the hard way. Yeah, well, I was in the hospital, you see, so uh, uh. She, she didn't have me to say, to remind her. <laughs> right, so you did a lot of baking yourself when you were on the farm? Oh, I did lots of baking. Yes. I was a better bake, baker than a cook. I, I wasn't a very good cook. That's interesting because a lot of people are better cooks than bakers because baker yeah. baking is such an exact science. Well, it is, yeah. yeah. And yeah. what was your specialty? Oh, goodness, I baked everything. Did you? Yeah. But I wasn't, you know, even my boys even remember that our roasts were not that good. When we, you know, we were, <laughs> we started out in a small house and then we moved into a, we built a new house in the yard and, and um, and they can remember that our roasts were not, my beef roasts were never <laughs> that good. <laughs> uh, but the baking was always spectacular. The baking was spectacular. <laughs> right. Has teaching changed a lot in your estimation? I think so. From, yes? yeah. For the better? Oh, or is that well, a fair question uh, to ask? Um, I don't know. I don't know about, um, you know, the courses. I don't know about the curricula. <laughs> but right. I always got along with my students and, you know, I've asked this question often, but having grown up um, in the 30s, mm -hmm. did you have to be particularly strong then? Um, stronger than perhaps now where we have every modern convenience? Oh, I think I think you have to be stronger now. Do you mean to deal with students? Or just, no, I mean just to deal with life. I mean, as, okay. as, as, but, you, but, but let's take that point. Do you feel you have to be stronger now dealing with students? Yes, I think to? you do because they, they, you know, they're so, they're so worldly and, uh, right. um, 
and um, well, the world has become a much smaller place. Yes, it has, and and um, and they're so they're so intelligent that mm-hmm. uh, they could easily challenge you. Not that, but of course, the teachers are too. What am I saying? Yeah, right. Um, good mm-hmm. question. Yeah, but I, I'm, I, I think I taught at the best of times. Right. I think the students were loving, and and you could love them. I suppose you still can. I'm, I'm sure you still can. Yeah. But. Yeah, I, I think it's very individual the way a teacher yeah. approaches their students, but it is a noble calling. Yeah, it, it is. really is. Yeah. And I don't think it's until after the fact, years later, that you, yeah. that you realize how valuable your teachers were. Yeah. Um, yes, that could know, be. Yeah. Yes, in, in that's right. In hindsight, mm-hmm. you realize right. the impact that they had. Yeah, me thinking about Gene Ham again. Right, right, yeah, right. This, this guy. Right. He said, "When now I'm going back to my yeah. teenagers years again." Um, uh, he said, "I didn't know what I was going to do when I got out of school. I think we were right in the middle of writing our grade twelve exams," and he's or maybe not too long before, and he said, um, and then he, and, and he said, I think you'll need this class and this class if you're going to be teaching. And I had no idea I was going to be teaching, you know. He I, recognized that in he you. He knew it in me, and yeah. yeah. And he just took it for granted I was. I'd never said so. I'd never even thought of such a thing. Right. I was scatterbrained, I think. <laughs> but you, you were likely a good student. Yes, and I and I had been working with kids before, so I guess he could see that. Right. Yeah. I wasn't. I my math marks were terrible. I wasn't a good student. I was good in English. Yep. You know, I, I loved English and and I loved you know I loved the drama and and uh, and I still do a lot of writing. So right. that's the kind of thing I was good and history. Right. That's what I. So you are doing so, a lot of you. You do a lot of writing now still. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've, fiction, nonfiction. Oh no, I don't do that. No, 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 no. no. This, but so, this kind of thing, you know. Right, right. So and, you, let's talk about the impact that you had on the centenary uh, here in Kindersley, which was two thousand and ten. Yeah. You obviously have a great love of history. Yes, I do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, tell me how you got involved. Was there a committee um, that was formed for the centenary to put together um, this calendar? Yes, and yes. History? Actually, there was. Right. Um, we. We um, we had a committee to form the calendar, and it was um, it was the wife of the veterinary doctor here, vet, the vet in mm-hmm. Kindersley, who suggested that we do a calendar. Right. And then, and I was working at the museum at the time. I was a volunteer, and so I knew the, I knew the picture files quite well. Right. And um, so I knew where to get the pictures, and of course, I loved to write about them. And and I, you know, I did quite a bit of history about. Each of the pictures studied, right. you know. Right. There's a lot of information in the in the um, Kindersley, um, uh, what's it called? Anyway, the Kindersley history book that was put together in maybe the 50s or whenever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's it's um, the little bits of the little bits of history are um, in the stories of each family, and so you you wouldn't find them unless you were looking specifically for history all the way through the book. Right, so and you pulled a lot of those stories mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. Um, for this centenary publication. Mm-hmm. Right. So since these podcasts are so story driven, let's talk about some of the the more notable stories that that you pulled together. Now you've yeah. you've mentioned to me about this murder. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about that. And there is a little bit of information that had been printed about the murder 
in um, in the centenary book, um, but it was just preliminary, very very bare bones information about the murder. Right. So, in what had we known up until the point that this centenary book was published? Well, all we knew, well, all that I knew, I didn't know who else had any information. But what I knew was that these that this elderly couple had been murdered, and um, it was a sad case. And I didn't know where to go for more information. Right. We knew that they had a boarding house. We, we knew that they had a boarding house. The right. house had been moved into town. They they kept anybody who needed room and board. Mostly men. I All think, men. Yes, I think so. Right. Actually, yes. Right. Okay. And then, what what sort of was the drive for you to to not want to leave it there? I mean, you you further you did some further investigation on your yes, own. Yes, I did. By by pure luck, uh-huh. I found somebody who knew the story. Oh, who did you find? I found a young fellow. His name was um, Dick Gunoff. Right. Not- and he was he was living here at the time. He was a photographer. He was a town photographer. And he was living here at the time and, and knew the whole story. I think he was even connected to them. Somehow. Connected to them. Yeah. Uh, but not a relative. No. Right, no. right. Okay, and so now you're going to read um, a little bit of an excerpt from a publication that you found with a little more detail about this. Yes, and it was thrilling to find this. Um, I've written, thanks to information from Dick Gunoff, Kindersley's photographer at the time, who was the executor of the Gasloff's estate, uh. and to Rita Thompson, who is, has an amazing collection of scrapbooks of Clarion articles, and we have the entire sad account. Lena Bell and Alec Gunoff first owned the Flaxcombe Hotel, then purchased a three-story house from the northeast of Flaxcombe and moved it to 513 Main Street as a rooming house. Bell also worked in the hospital laundry until she retired in 1977. In 1982, a lady who was from this area roomed with the Gasoffs. She was told that Alex, over 90 years of age, kept his savings in a shoebox in their house. Mm. The the lady later moved to Vancouver and revealed this news to Ambrose Eustace Johnson. Mr. Johnson caught a bus to Kindersley and was soon registered in the Seymour Hotel where he learned the location of the rooming house. When he arrived at the front door of the house, he was met by Belle, and he demanded money. She refused. The gun, which he had brought with him, wouldn't fire, so he used a knife to stab her fatally. Mm. Alex, coming in from the garden in the backyard, fought with Johnson and was badly wounded by a slash across his chest. Johnson panicked and fled through the back alley to the Seymour, where he washed his hands and went to the licensed premises where he sat down for a drink. In the meantime, Mr. Gasloff, bleeding profusely, stumbled down the main street for help. It was 7.30 on a summer evening. Some minutes passed before a passing vehicle stopped for him, but before long the police located the the culprit in the Seymour Hotel pub. Alex was taken to the hospital where he eventually recovered. He died in 1987 at the age of 96. In the courthouse in Corrobert, Ambrose Johnson was convicted of murder in 1983. He was sentenced to life imprisonment in Stony Mountain Penitentiary, where he died of cancer. Hmm. 
Right. So he survived his wife. Yes, he did. Right, yeah. right. And the money stayed in the shoebox. Yeah, it stayed in the shoebox, I guess. Right. I wonder how the photographer became the executor of the will. I don't know. Hmm. Well, the, you see, Dick Gunoff, he, that's Russian, isn't it? Yeah. And and the Gasoffs would be Russian. Yeah. Maybe there was a... Perhaps. A, maybe there was more of a connection. Right. You know, when people came to this country... And they were registered wherever they were registered. Mm-hmm. The the people who wrote their names had no idea Absolutely. how to spell them. And I've often thought that that gas off could have been two N's, you know, two N's instead of two S's or right. something. No, that happened quite often. You're quite right. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I wonder if they if were... If their names weren't misspelt, they were often given new names based well, yes. on the families, the sure. children, based on the families that, you know, yeah. adopted them. And and then these people are stuck with this new name forever. Right, yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Absolutely. But I guess you were probably just so grateful to be coming to the country. Mm. Um, that, Don't argue. Right, right. right. Now, was, was she buried here in Kindersley? Well, that's a good question. Hey, now I can yeah. follow this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wonder if her I wonder if her grave is out here at the cemetery. I'm, that's what I'm wondering. Now I'm going to find out. Hmm. Because that would be. There, I've got a new project for you. I have a new project. You know, yeah. as as this said, one story begets another. <laughs> right, right. Are there any other stories um, that that you uncovered? Oh well, let's talk about this this stone. Um, uh, okay. Right. So yeah. uh, you you've shown me pictures of a stone which has um, faces. All are there two faces two, or three? Three, there three are, faces. Right. Three yeah. faces. It's hollowed out in the middle, uh-huh. not to the bottom. Not, it's right. like an urn. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and the and the stone is granite. Is yes. It, right. Okay. Yes. All right. And what's the story behind that stone? Well, it's it's so complicated. There's no way I could tell the whole story. Okay. Well. But the to start with. Um, someone uh, uh, south of Darcy um, found the stone in a gravel pit. And he took it home, and he was very curious about it. And so he kept it, and he, for many years, it was a doorstop. And then um, a young woman from Darcy, whose father owned the grocery store, named Ruth Smith, um, was visiting there. A trade... Changed hands a few it times. Changed hands quite a few times. It yeah. ended up at the un- in the university. It, Ruth Smith's um, boyfriend at the time was named Vigvison. Mm-hmm. He was with the University of Saskatchewan, and he visited her. I think at the Saint the family who had the stone at this time was Saint John's, mm-hmm. and then this Vigvison, Doctor Vigvison, saw the stone and he took it to the university. And it was on display there, and people thought they thought that it was some Indian artifact, some native artifact. And um, uh, somewhere along the line, oh, and he wrote a very scholarly article about this stone. And um, somewhere along the line, uh, somewhere he died, and the stone was at that time on display downtown. And it was taken home by someone else, thrown in the garbage. Mm. Someone came along and found it in the garbage in the back alley and took it to the university again. And um, and then it was studied some more. And we had a very um, interesting 
archaeologist here who was a farmer by the name of Eldon Johnson, and he became interested in it. He was, he was, um, uh, we had uh, the archaeological society here. He was a very prominent member of the archaeological society, and he wrote a scholarly article on it too. And he said that this can't be an old artifact because the tools that were used to carve it were um, sort of ser- uh, what would like a serrated knife, mm. uh, so that you know, and then it had to be metal. It couldn't have been done with another stone, for ah, example. Right. And um, anyway, this uh, the stone ended up here in the Darcy uh, Museum, and the story, if somebody would like to follow it up, is even far more interesting than what I've told. <laughs> but it, it, it's called the Darcy Stone. Yes for the lack of a better name, just yes. because of where it was found. Yes. And despite all of the scholarly articles written on the Darcy Stone, yeah. no one quite knows um, <laughs> who did the carving. That's right. And when. That's right. So it became... It but it had to be, it has to be, in, you know, it has to be within our, in our um, era. Right. It wasn't done by a native. Well, but it could have been it done by a native. Been. Right. But only, um, but, but what native? Right. And yeah. what decade? Yes. And, right. and who's, uh, who's being, uh, I mean, if this was a trick on the St. John's, I'm not sure who's being right. tricked. I think we're all being tricked. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, nobody knows. You obviously have a love of history. Uh-huh. But talk sure to do. me um, a bit about your, your other interests. Uh, do you have a creative side to you? Are you still baking? No, no, no. I'm just. Well, I have scrapbooks, and we traveled. We Ovi and I traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. We, we were, in, in every place we went to. Well, I, I used to take slides, and mm. uh, so every slide had its own history. You know, every I wrote very good notes. Tell me about some of the places you've traveled to. Oh my goodness! We've well, let me name the things that we've done. Okay, now sure. I'm going to yeah. go no, off. Yeah, no, no, good, good, good. Because uh, I want I want you to go down memory lane with your husband. With my husband, yeah. Ah. With, your, with who was all right. Well, we started in Hawaii. I think everybody has to go to Hawaii once in their life. <laughs> I used to live there. Did you? I did. Oh, I love Hawaii. But I I love New York too. Uh, mm. New York's a wonderful city, mm-hmm. and we were there twice. What only. do you love about New York? Well, I love the fact that I can grasp the city, you know? You I can. can I can see I can see where Manhattan is and I understand the Bronx. I know all that, you know. And you don't feel closed in in a big city. No. Well, That's no. interesting. I wouldn't live there, you know. Right. Oh, but I'd love to visit. You do. I want to go back. Yeah. yeah. So you you've chosen to live in a relatively small town, mm-hmm. but you do find yourself energized oh, in, yeah. in large centers like well, New York. There is, you know, within that little area. Speaking of history, yeah. look at the history Absolutely. of New York. It's incredible. Right. So, did you go to New York and go instantly to the museums? Um, what did we do? Well, the first time I was on a tour with some with ten women, mm. and uh, so I went where they went. Right. Who were but these women? The scoop of they women. were uh, there were two girls who were who organized the tour in Saskatoon, mm-hmm. and there were the ten women were from Regina and Saskatoon, basically. I think, yeah. Right. And they were like me, you know. All I was the eldest of them all, mm-hmm. but um, they called you Granny. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. Mm. And you know, I went to the to the um, 
uh, we have a wonderful walking track here in the air, in the, in the arena. Uh-huh. And so I worked out, boy, did I walk, you know, yeah. because I was surely not going to let anybody <laughs> better me, you know, be able to walk better yeah. than I. There were some younger women. They weren't all like my age. So uh, it was a walk. It was we did a lot of walking. It's the best way to see New York. Yes, yeah. it is. Mm. And we and and then, um, and then I went back again. No, the first time I went. What am I saying? The first time I went with my family, and, this, and then this was the second trip, and we we walked the um, the man, um, bridge, Brooklyn Bridge. Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you love about the prairies? Well, it's just the expanse. And, and you know, our uh, motto, or what is it? Uh, the land of living skies. Yeah, yeah. It's so descriptive, and it's just, that's what I guess I love. Yeah. And when you come over a hill and see the vast space in front of you, how could you beat that? And right. the colors. Right. And now with the, with the uh, mustard or... Uh, it's so captivating. The canola... Yeah, and the, 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 the colors are... Uh, just staggeringly yeah, beautiful. I noticed that when I was driving out here again. Yes. and if you see a, if you see a canola and a flaxseed field together, or, you know, in the same view, you know, if you painted that, somebody would say, "Don't be ridiculous. You can't. That's overdone." You it's know, so true. It's that so was sad. exactly what I thought it, when yeah, I drove through. Right. You could not capture the, the, no. the color, so vivid. Right. And if you painted something that vividly, somebody somebody who knows all about painting would say, "Don't be silly. You yeah. know, you're over, overdoing it." Right. No painters in your family. Um, well, I took painting. Did you? <laughs> I, I, start, I did a few paints, paintings. I should show you my paintings. <laughs> Tell me, absolutely you will. Tell me about your husband. Oh, my husband. He was the sweetest guy, and I didn't appreciate him. And I want him back. <laughs> hmm. well, his family history? Um, he, his, his, his family has a, an interesting history. They, they were very uh, wealthy at one time, and you know, with and involved in the families of the kings and the queens of Denmark. Yes, and then um, they came down to living in here. They they moved. Um, Ovi's father went to um, Vancouver, Washington, mm-hmm. to start with, and and then he sort of established himself, and then he. Um, and then he sent for Ovi's mother, and she came as far as Chicago, and he met her there, and just a young bride, you know. And the family tells a story about they travel all the way across, uh, you know, the states together, in the train, <clears throat> and then um, they were showing they were and they were married in Chicago, and then when they got to where they were going to be staying with a the family, they were showing the room, and and uh, it was a bedroom with one bed. And Ovi's mother said, and where will I sleep? Uh, <laughs> she was pretty innocent. Uh, all right. All right. And that was the start of his parents. Right. And then they, um, just before the war, they went back to Denmark again because, um, uh, why? Because, because oh, because the, the father, the, the brothers, Ovi's brothers, Ovi's uncles wanted somebody to own a farm oh. in Denmark. And they helped buy a farm for Ovi's dad, and um, and because they wanted to be able to hunt, and they they bought a farm that had a copse, you know, um, uh, what would you say, a shrub, like a little forest on it. Mm-hmm. 
And so they went back to the to Denmark with there are four four children by this time. Ove wasn't born in in um, in the states, and they stayed in Denmark until there were ten children, <laughs> and then they decided with all these boys and all these children that they could do very well to sell the farm and come back to back here to the states they wanted to go to, but the states was closed; they wouldn't let anybody in, so they had to come to Canada. Mm. And they got on the train and and uh, started coming across country. And somebody talked Ovi's dad into stopping uh, here. And they said there was good land along the Goose Lake line, and right. so he stopped here and um, went to Brock. And it, this was just his dad, his dad and his oldest brother. Whoops, not the whole family. Yeah. And they went to Brock for the night, and they were eaten up by bed bugs. Ah, <laughs> mm. And then they got they they were able to buy a farm, and so they. Uh, in the meantime, the family was back in Manitoba, north of Winnipeg, at a place called can't remember. And and then so they sent for the Ovi and his Ovi's dad and his brother sent for all the kids, and they came out here and settled down. They moved from one farm to another. Right. Yeah. And and. To your great fortune. Yes, to that my they fortune. Did. Yes. As is often the case with my guests, it's when the recorder isn't on that more stories start to surface. You'll remember I asked Eleanor about her creative side earlier on. Well, there was more to tell as you'll hear. And after we talked, Eleanor treated me to some of her paintings. Believe me, she undersells her talents. So you wrote a grammar book. Yes. This was after you had retired from teaching? Oh, that was just uh, last two years ago. And right? what, what was behind you writing a grammar book? Well, because grammar, the grammar is so terrible that people, are, children, students are being used, you know, allowed to get away with. And it, it actually started with my grandson, I guess. He, he was going to university, and, and uh, he'd been a harem-scarum kind of a student in school in Toronto, so I think maybe that started it. But what I did was I simply took my whole grade nine English course, just the grammar section of it, and uh, and I put it in a book. <laughs> right, because you're concerned about about, about grammar being lost. Uh, yes, and and I'm concerned. Oh dear, other people in my family too, you know, mm-hmm. me and me and Jerry are, you know, was, right. Uh-huh. Oh, Right, and yeah. you, and you, if you're, if you're a, a wordsmith like that, you, you, it stands out. It's like a, oh, it's a, it's it's, a, and I, and I, you know, they, they think maybe, or I think they think that it's, it's not important, but, uh, but I do say to them, you wouldn't say ain't, would you? We yeah. finally got ain't out of the language, I think. Mm-hmm. But what about the pronouns? You know, right, right, yeah. Right, so you're a stickler for grammar. You're a teacher, it's in your blood. Once a teacher, oh, always a teacher, I, I think suppose, so, yeah. In some and way. I think my my grammar grade nine grammar program was really good. Mm-hmm. We would do we would do um you know, poetry and then we'd do a little bit of grammar and then we'd do 
uh, a novel, and then we do a little bit of grammar, and so it went along all year long. And uh, was this a, a course that you that designed I, yourself? Uh, oh yes, uh-huh. right, right. And of course, um, the more I the more I taught, the better I became. <laughs> right, right. So that I was probably quite good at the end. Uh, so you've talked about your painting modestly, and yeah. that you no, that you that you dabble in it. But I mean, do you find that creativity? of some sort is really in, important oh, to yes. you. I mean, I'm looking, I, I looked at your garden when I was coming in. You obviously love gardening. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love my backyard. You're, is your family still in the province? No. Uh, let me see, who do I have left? Nobody. No, my fam- my, I'm the last of my family. Uh-huh. And, uh, of course, their nieces and nephews, and they're in Calgary. Right. And Ovi was the last one of his fa- in his family of ten. Mm-hmm. There were only four in my family. And your children are. I have two two boys. One of them is in Toronto. Uh-huh. They, they have um, they have the Canadian Contemporary Dance Theatre. Do they? And, and they're in, at this moment. Come to think of it, they're in Scotland. They take, yeah. So when you say is he the artistic director? Yes. Where did he get the artistic gene from? I don't know. Hmm. My mother was a pianist. Was she? Yeah. She didn't force you to play piano growing up? Um, my sister played piano. I didn't play t- piano. No. I didn't have time to take lessons. You didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> I, was a, I was a brat. You know, that, you were, talk about regretting things. Yes. That's something I regret. What? Not taking piano? Not taking piano. She, my dad would have, you know, I would have had piano lessons if I'd only, but I wanted to play. Hmm. Play with the boys. It's not too late. And, and your other son is where? And the other son is at the farm here. Oh, right. He's at the farm here, yeah. right. So you see him often. Yeah. And and they, and well, they're, they're both artistic. Oh, I have to, how long can you stay? Let me see. <laughs> no, I, I would love to see. I'd love to see there. But I want to see this stuff, even though I can tell that you're kind of downplaying it. Yeah. I want to see what you've dabbled in artistically, oh, okay. that you've painted. Well, I'm, I'm not taking. I'm not expecting Picasso. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not showing you. I'll show you what's up here. That's all. I want to thank you for your love of history, for uh-huh. for your part in keeping Kindersley history alive. Uh-huh. Um, you're obviously very proud of these publications. I am. And, and you, it must have been a very busy year for you, the year 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want to thank you for being open enough to, to share a little bit about who you are and growing up. I know I threw a curveball at you when I came in here. You were all expecting to give me a history lesson, and I wanted to talk about you, but mm-hmm. but it, but I'm most interested in your story. So okay. thank you for sharing some of those with okay. me. Well, you're welcome, Kevin. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created by Kevin Power as part of the Culture Days Animateur program operated by Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sports, Culture and Recreation. If you want to hear more of these podcasts or to see the great work being done by other SAS culture animateurs, please visit www.iheartculture.ca. Special thanks to Paved Arts in Saskatoon for their technical support. Sascapes podcasts are also available through the iTunes Store. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There is no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time...